mindfulness mode. As soon as I started taking karate and earning my belts, I never got in a fight again. Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. And guess what? It's an exciting day for me because I've just graduated from the Cascade Hypnosis Center with my full certificate to do hypnosis myself, to do it in my coaching, to help people, help people with their mindset, help people stop smoking or help people, you know, with their drinking issues or whatever issues you have. Maybe you've been working and working, working, trying to change some of your habits or trying to change your mindset and there just seem to be blocks. Well, you can reach out and I'll be glad to take you on as a client. It would be awesome to work with you. And I'm very excited to get started with new clients. I have room in my coaching roster for two new clients and I'd love one of them to be you. So send an email to me, bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and in the subject line put coaching and we'll talk about how I can help you through hypnosis in order to achieve your goals. Sit back, relax, and today you're going to hear an interview with Tim Schur, an amazing hypnotist. Mindful Tribe, I've been talking about hypnosis recently, and as you know, I've interviewed different people who are experts in this field, and today it feels like I have one of the ultimate experts because he's been He's been doing hypnosis for 30 years. He's a real expert and he's written six books. He's, uh, he's just all over. If you know anything about hypnosis, you're going to know his name. And his name is Tim Schur. Tim, are you in mindfulness mode today? Uh, I am always in mindfulness mode, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I know you're the president of Sure Success Incorporated, and that's a leadership and sales training company that saves companies six figures by lowering high employee costs. That's a pretty powerful statement. And uh, here's a little bit more of your bio, Tim. It says, after studying human behavior for the last 32 years and facilitating over 15,000 hypnosis sessions, he discovered how to upgrade unconscious mental programming so you can achieve at the highest level. And you have a TEDx talk, you've been on the TEDx stage and been featured on ABC, NBC, CBC, Fox News. I mean, you're one of the big names in this field, so it's my honor to have you on the show, Tim. Tim, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, thank you for having me, Bruce. It's an honor to be on your show. And mindfulness just means that, you know, let's break the word down, mindfulness, right? So it is being aware of your mind and what you're thinking. It puts you in the driver's seat and allows you to grab a hold of the steering wheel of your brain and move yourself in the direction that you desire. So for me, mindfulness is about self-awareness. It's about being intentional. It's about being more loving. It's about empowering yourself. And it's about using the power of your mind to create your life by design. Well, Tim, I'd like to go way back. And I'd like to go to that place where you were not a hypnotist. And maybe maybe you were a child at this time, I'm not sure. But what got you into this field? What made you decide that you wanted to be able to help people with their mindset? Yeah. So it started out, I didn't want to help people with their mindset. I wanted to get rid of my anxiety. 
Okay. And, you know, most hypnotists, NLP practitioners, therapists, uh, you know, psychologists have wounds and they help people with the very items that they needed help with. And that's why we specialize. So when I was 12 years old, I lived in a small town in northern Indiana in the United States. And my father worked at a steel mill. He was an electrician and he's working on a big electrical panel. And while he was in there with the screwdriver and his buddy Bill was in there with a the flashlight, the box didn't get tagged correctly. So someone turned it on mm. while he was in there mm. and it exploded and it caught him on fire and burned my dad really bad. 60% of his body, third degree burns. And I didn't see him for a couple of months. And when I did see him in the burn unit, you know, they wheeled him out. He looked like a mummy. And it was so it was a big T trauma for me. I and in that moment, my young brain shifted. I stopped playing life to win and I started playing not to lose. How do you not lose here? How do you not get hurt here? At any moment, my brain formed a belief that the rug could be yanked out from underneath me and I'm not safe and I'm not good enough to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And so those fears of not being enough, those fears of anxiety and worry for wait, waiting for the next bad thing to happen caused me to create a lot of anxiety in my life. Notice how I said that caused me to create a lot of anxiety in my life. I'm owning it now. Back then, I just thought the world didn't like me. Yes. <laughs> and so fast forward, I'm 18. I decide I'm going to go to school for psychology and I'm taking my first psychology class and uh, psychology 101 and they had a guest speaker come in who happened to be a hypnotist. And so I volunteered and uh, I thought I'll click like a chicken, you know, click. I, don't, I didn't know anything about hypnosis. I had the same misconceptions as most people. And uh, so I could hear everybody giggling and laughing, but I didn't care. And in that moment, the anxiety went away. I felt a feeling of calm and peace that I never had before. And I'm like, what is this? So I continued my schooling and training through psychology and got my degrees. However, I found that talk therapy just was not as fast and did not give that feeling of peace that I got through hypnosis. So at the same time, I found a school for hypnotism and I got my certification and then I was open to NLP and all these other strategies, these peak performance tools, and got hooked on it because you can produce almost immediate results that are sustainable. And so now I've been doing it ever since. And my mission in life, Bruce, is to end needless suffering. We're all going to have pain in life as human beings, but so much of our suffering is self-induced. And my goal is to show people how to quickly upgrade their mind. Wow, that's a powerful goal and needless suffering and how fulfilling that must be for you to be on that path and to have helped thousands and thousands of people. Like, how does that feel, Tim? Yeah, it feels awesome. <laughs> I bet it, does. It, feels, it feels really good. In fact, one of the ways that I got over my anxiety in the moment was to add value for somebody else. And it really taught me the secret and the power of, of living is giving. Right. And so just continue to serve and help other people. And it creates a feeling of peace and comfort inside of you. And as long as you're working on yourself as well, some people will continue to work on others and not develop themselves. And they never find that peace or that mindfulness that they're looking for. So you got to take care of you and others. And did you begin that way? Did you start taking care of yourself at first? No, no, I was a mess. I sabotaged myself. I think one of the reasons why I can see the patterns immediately, besides all the experience that I have, is because I made all the mistakes. 
you know, I made so many mistakes that nothing was left except success. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny statement. I mean, yeah. it's kind of funny and kind of sad at the same time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it really was a trial and error and understanding, but always trying to be open, you know, and trying to learn from my mistakes. And if there was a lot of resistance. I've noticed that there's three phases to a breakthrough and phase one is resistance pushback. Even if it's good for us, we resist, we're not sure, you know, we shut it down uh, because, you know, the devil we know is better than the devil we don't. So we tend to go back to what we know, even if it's not good for us. If you look at overeating or smoking or drinking or gambling or shopping, you know, those are examples of relapsing back to what we know, even though consciously we know it's a bad idea. And over time, I kept learning though. And I kept hiring coach who could feed coaches who could feedback my beliefs to me because one of my coaches once said, Tim, you can't see the label when you're in the bottle. Yes. You know, it's hard to be objective with yourself. You need outside eyes feeding back, you know, what your, your, what your blind spots are. And so a big breakthrough for me has been hiring coaches and mentors over the years uh, so that you can, or so that I was able to recognize what my blind spots were and then do the hard work of emotionally maturing. And do you still have a coach right now today, Tim? Yes, I always have coaches. I always have people that I surround myself with that are mentors. And my best coach and my best advisor in the whole world is my wife. Oh, and yeah, and for many years, I resisted her. I, I thought that she was trying to hold me back or being critical when in fact, it was just my own insecurities. And when I realized that she was my best asset, Right. And I started appreciating her for how she would push me or how she would challenge, challenge my ideas. Uh, it, it made our relationship so much stronger. You know, I've been saying this a lot and um, sometimes it takes people back, especially in when I'm doing interviewed for business programs. But I said I made my wife more important than my business and it transformed my business. And is your wife a hypnotist also? No, no, no. <laughs> she's a fine arts major. And okay. so she's on the other side, although she's quite much. I mean, she's she's wiser. She's just I don't know, straight from heaven. She's wiser than uh, just about anybody I've met. She just has a real understanding of human behavior. And uh, and so I understand why God brought her to me. Well, wow, Tim, that's really resonates with me because my wife is a critical care nurse. And I would say all of those things about my wife also. She didn't study psychology. She's not a hypnotist. She just has this natural ability to be mindful and to be just who she is. She's authentic. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, we're the ones, yeah, the, we're the ones with the bullhorn that are, <laughs> so, but our goal is to take that message, you know, and that understanding from our wife and from ourselves and then from those around us and then process it in our way. Because the way that we process it is um, a way that under other people can hear it and understand it. Your wife and my wife not, might not be able to run a podcast or express it the way that we can. And so that's where our purpose is, our ability to distill these complicated ideas and make them seem simple and easy to follow. And then people will apply them and it creates magic in their life. And so, you know, we're all where we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And when we embrace that, when we swim with the current, that's when the real magic shows up in our life. Yes, yes, I would totally agree. At what point did you become a stage hypnotist, Tim? 
Oh, in my mid twenties, because I thought it would be fun. Cause remember when I was first learning, I was still trying to prove myself. I yes. was still trying to prove that I was enough, you know, that I was talented. I still wanted people to like me, you know, yeah. I still want people to like me, but I don't care if they do. And was it <laughs> I fun? I don't need it anymore. Was <laughs> yeah, it, fun it was being fun. On stage? Yeah. Well, it was, it was scary. And then it was great afterwards because when you're first learning anything new, especially being a stage hypnotist, it's really about orchestrating what's about to happen, right? It's really about, I mean, I had that light bulb moment with my little ding on my computer, but it's like, uh, it's like this light bulb moment of, you know, can I really set people up and give these suggestions in a way where they're going to actually follow through? If I suggest that they're getting, uh, you know, really uh, itchy, are they going to start scratching? <laughs> you know, if I suggest that they're going to start laughing, are they actually going to start laughing and cracking up? And I realized that stage hypnosis is more about how you're orchestrating things than, than how suggestible somebody is. You know, so it really teaches you strategy and it gives you a set of skills, influence skills, communication skills, rapport skills, because you're taking strangers out of a crowd and causing them to trust you and like you within 30 seconds, right? How do you do that? And I learned how. And, uh, and so stage hypnosis can give you some extraordinary skills and talents. Uh, but most of the stage hypnotists that I know, they have no idea how to help someone stop smoking or lose weight or curb anxiety. They just hypnotize them and then say nice things to them and hope that that works. You know, if I get you in a deep enough state, then the magic will happen. I don't find that that's the case. You get people into a relaxed state and it's what you do while they're in that state of mind. That's when the magic happens. And so um, I don't do the shows anymore because I, I switch more clinical and uh, of just helping people with post-traumatic stress and anxiety and, and people who, who uh, are not responding in any other way. Uh, those are the people I'm concentrating now because it's the toughest cases. But, um, you know, I can see the patterns right away just because I've been doing it for so long. I didn't think you did shows anymore, but I wanted to ask you, that was going to be one of my questions. What was the biggest audience you ever did a show for? One of the most memorable shows yeah. you ever did? Yeah, so I was going to do a program for a bank and I thought there was going to be 100 people in the room. So I put this show together and I walk into the hotel and I walk into, I'm looking around, I don't see anybody. And there's these double doors to the biggest room in the hotel. I opened the door and all the lights were out except for rows and rows and rows and rows and about 3,000 people up <laughs> was a stage that had all the lights on it. It looked like a Broadway show and I was up next. Oh, wow. And my heart was pounding out of my chest because I thought it was a small group for 100 people. And there was like 3,000 people in there all in the dark. So I'm in the hallway freaking out, rewriting my show for such a large audience. I was expecting 10 people on stage. You know, we probably had 30. How am I going to orchestrate all of this? And then I'm going up there. But, you know, you only have to be brave for 30 seconds because once you get into it, you're okay. If yeah. you are trained, preparation plus opportunity equals success. And I keep putting myself in those scary situations. And once you're in it, you do what you're trained to do. And then you enjoy the moment instead of trying to get it over with. And so um, it was amazing. I was hearing people laugh for, it felt like, you know, in a canon of, of echoes of laughter. All the, and I couldn't see anybody. It was completely dark because the lights were yes. all on me. Yeah. So I couldn't see anybody. I just heard rows and rows of laughter. And so... That was the biggest, craziest show I ever did for hypnosis. <laughs> wow, what a story. And what was the most um, scary experience you ever had on stage in front of an audience where maybe something didn't go right or it was a challenge or whatever? 
there's always going to be some expected challenge and they make you stronger. They make you more resilient. And as long as you are playful and you laugh at it and you enjoy that it's not working, everybody else will go along with you. If you freak out and panic or get tight or get stressed, the audience will go with you. So when you're in that state, remember, you're not just influencing the people in front of you. You're influencing the entire audience by your energy. So you stay calm, they'll stay calm. So I've had, I remember uh, I got hired to do a stage show for a group of dentists and there was only 20 people. And so, you know, usually one out of 10 is a pretty good subject. And so I'm dealing with 20 dentists who are visual and kinesthetic, which means they're very analytical and we're definitely not going to let me do anything that would embarrass them. So I had like three people in front of the audience and they were, they were terrible subjects <laughs> and it wasn't going well at all. And I was just playful. So I just switched it into doing a couple fun little things and then turned it into a, an empowerment session because that's what I had to work with and everybody enjoyed it. So you really can only work with the audience in front of you. That's all you can really do. You can't take it personal. And so, um, and I've had situations like I remember uh, the one of the most anxiety uh, ridden experiences for me, Bruce, was uh, we had a local weatherman. I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, and um, we have a local weatherman who was afraid of spiders. And um, they had, if you've ever been in a TV show, I've done like 50 television appearances and the studio is real small and everybody's right on top of each other. Well, the main anchor, his name is Ray, had a tarantula on his arm because they were doing some bit about tarantulas and Jim the weatherman was about 30 feet away and saw the tarantula in the middle of his weather report and ran out in the middle of the weather report yeah. freaked out because he you know total spider phobia I don't like him either so he ran out and so for the next couple of months people were making fun of him and teasing him on the radio you know the shock jocks are always making fun of him and and he said you know he says I'm okay that I did that it's just that my dad was watching and you know that made me feel a little embarrassed because my dad saw me. Yeah. Well, that pushed something inside of me. So I call up the studio and I'm like, hey, my name's Tim. I'm a hypnotist. And, you know, I can help Jim look like a hero and overcome that fear. And uh, a couple months later, a producer called me up and she said, hey, Jim decided to try that out. If you could just get him to stay in the room, that would be a huge breakthrough. And I said, if you give me 30 minutes, I can probably get that spider on his arm. You know, wow. and, and she almost hung up on me. Yeah. She thought I was crazy. Yeah. She's like, you know, total skeptic. Yes. And uh, and so I she says, all right, well, if you just get him in the room, that would be great. Right. And so we go in there. I'm I thought that he, they were going to give me 45 minutes. But oh, no, they kept doing promos. Hey, Tim, come do a bit with Ray. Hey, Tim, come do a bit with Angela. Hey, Tim, come do this. And then they wanted to film me doing all the interventions. So, Bruce, I end up with about 10 minutes. Yeah. Right. 10 minutes with him by myself. I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing collapsing of anchors. I'm shifting some modalities. I'm having him tap, doing tapping with EFT. Yes. I'm hitting him with every tool that I have. Now, luckily, Jim was a great subject. People that have phobias are usually great hypnotic subjects, right? Because they're very emotional and very mm -hmm. uh, visual. He was imagining that spider, like the old 50s, you know, scary movies with a spider that's bigger than a house. Yeah. You know, that's how he was imagining this. So I shrunk it down and changed it up set some anchors. I mean, I laid it all on him, 25 years, <laughs> 20 years of experience. And so we go in there, long story short, we're all smushed together. Though everybody, there was five of them on the team, we're all around a table. And then the spider, or the, they called them the spider wrangler. Ugh. The spider wrangler comes in with the box, spider's there. Jim is hesitant a little bit, 
because I told him that the spider is going to be rat relaxed. We're trying to get the spider out of the box. The spider jumps up like this. Oh. Jim and I both take a sigh and I have his arm. So I'm firing the anchor and saying his little code word, yeah. you know, mostly because I didn't want him to run out. I had a hold of him. And uh, so I had to get that spider on my arm first, which I didn't like spiders either. <laughs> so I'm doing this on me and then I'm doing it on him. Yeah. I get the spider on him. Everybody, I say, take your pictures. People are taking the pictures. We get the spider back off of his arm. Everybody freaks out, right? It couldn't have gone better. People are freaking out. They can't believe it happened. Jim is the hero. I'm smiling at him, so proud of him. The producer is going, what just happened? You're amazing. And I'm like, no, it's Bruce. It's, uh, it's Bruce. Bruce. Bruce is amazing, too. Yeah, it's yeah. Jim. Jim is amazing, right? Jim is the, is the hero of this. And, uh, you know, and it made me a legend here in Indianapolis. So, and if you want to watch that episode, go to uh, youtube.com forward slash sure success and just type in Tim Sure weatherman spider and uh, you'll see the video. And mindful tribe, I want to say it's S-H-U-R-R. Tim Sure is spelled that way. S-H-U-R-R. Yeah, so go to, go to YouTube and check that out sometime. Tim Sure success. And you'll find that video. Wow, what a great story, Tim. Well, you know, on that same topic of, well, really like stage hypnosis almost. Well, the thing is, there are so many misconceptions. And, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting because hypnosis is something that is so legit and it can so truly help people in all walks of life with whatever they're doing. And at the same time, there's this flip side where people think, oh my gosh, you know, this is, you know, they've got all these misconceptions. Let me just say it that way. They've got these misconceptions. Are we getting closer? Are we moving a little closer to where people can understand in the mainstream that hypnotists are legit and that this is an actual, uh, really effective way to help people? Yes, we have arrived. Uh, a few years back, I was interviewed as one of the, um, you know, one of the hypnotists that are creating the movement and making hypnosis mainstream. And, uh, and I was interviewed by the International Association of Medical and Dental Hypnotherapists, Robert Otto's group. And, um, and I was interviewed and they said, are, do you think hypnosis is mainstream? And I said, yes. And they said, really? They said, you know, we've interviewed 20 hypnotists and you're the only one that said yes. And I'm like, well, don't we have to speak what we want into existence? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what hypnosis is? You know, hypnosis is the study of the unconscious mind, how it functions and how to program your mind um, for new behavioral change, right? For new, for new beliefs, new feelings, which produce new behaviors and new results. That's what hypnosis is, the study of the unconscious. The unconscious mind is real. It controls 80% of what we do. It, it's the computer that runs the programs and the programs are our beliefs and our life experiences. And so, uh, so many celebrities have gone to hypnosis and gotten results that they've made it mainstream. So when people call me up now, they already know at least one person who's had good results from it. So they're not calling in anymore. They used to. And remember, I'm in the Midwest, so kind of the Bible belt. So I used to get a lot of, does that work? I don't believe it. Is uh, it go against God? You know, can you really go into trance and never come out of it? Because movies in Hollywood still like to portray it that way. Uh, but, but I'm not getting those questions anymore. I'm getting, hey, I've heard this stuff works and I want to give it a try. So it is mainstream. Uh, Paul McKenna has been on TV so many times. 
you know, teaching hypnosis and demonstrating on all the talk shows, how to use the power of your mind. So I believe that hypnosis is mainstream and we have to act like that. I have doctors that give referrals to me all the time for smoking, uh, clients with smoking, anxiety, or with clients that have um, challenges and they don't know what else to do. And all the doctors can say is, I think it's in your head. And so they're sending them to me, right? A hypnotist. And so, you know, be proud of that. When you talk about being a hypnotist, be proud of it because, uh, one, it makes you stand out from everybody else who is a life coach, yes. <laughs> right? And so, uh, and two, just even the basics of hypnosis can help you transform people's lives because the biggest issue we have, the most researched word on the internet is stress. And just a simple relaxation or guided imagery technique helps people lower their stress and increase their calm. And that is no longer a luxury. It is a necessity in the world today. Hypnosis is mainstream. Wow. I love that statement. And I, that statement's going to be in my mind for a long time. So yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be a hypnotist myself. And the training that I'm taking is going so well. And like I said, it's an honor to talk to you. Now you alluded to spirituality and so on. Are you a Christian? Do you have a spiritual side? Tell us about that, Tim. Yes. Yes. I believe that uh, I've studied uh, many of the religions that are out there. And I believe that the commonality is love. You know, we need to love ourselves. We need to love our neighbors. We need to love each other. We may not like each other. We may not agree with each other's opinions, but we have to show up with love and respect. That's how the best leaders are, the most beloved leaders. Uh, you know, they show up with love and respect. And that's what we need to do for each other. And uh, that we don't have a lot of good examples for that in the world today. And so we need to be the example. You know, Gandhi said, if you want to see it in the world, be it in the world. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I believe in God and I can't tell you how many times I've gotten on my knees during my 25 years of working for myself and say, God, my practice is yours. I work for you. Help me know what to do next. And whether there, God is, is uh, you know, an omnipotent being that is giving me these clues or it's the universe or because I believe it has unlocked this part of my mind that allows the miracles to show up in my life, but they show up all the time. And because I'm looking for them and expecting them and then I act on them, I'm always taken care of. No matter what the situation is, it always works out for me. And I have that belief that it always works out for me. And that is wonderful because... I did not start that way. I started out, as I told you before, that nothing ever works out for me. No matter what I do, it's never good enough. Poor me. You know, the yeah, self-pity pattern. The victim. Yeah, the victim. Oh, I was. I had a PhD in victimhood. I had a big party hat and everything I put on for my pity party. So, but I didn't know it at the time. Now I'm 50 years old. You know, I've had this, you know, quarter, uh, quarter of a, what, century, you know, experience um, in practice. You know, I've been on this planet for 50 years. The first 25 years was all self-destructive. The next 25 was was growth and maturity. And so now uh, I believe absolutely in God. And I believe that, uh, you know, in the message, I believe in the message. And, uh, and so that's why you can't end suffering without love. I mean, what is the opposite of suffering? Yeah, yeah, love, yeah. Well, you know, it's fantastic that you have been able to transition and move into this place of helping thousands and thousands of people. And one of the things that you're doing or that you've just finished doing is writing your sixth book 
called One Belief Away. And that book comes out January 2021. I'm excited to have an opportunity to read it, Tim. What is the one belief? Can you share that? Tell us a little bit about your new book. Thank you. So, you know, I've I've t- started taking people through this awakening process because over the years, people would come in with all kinds of challenges. I mean, everything you can imagine and some stuff you don't want to imagine, you know, so me being an expert in helping people with post-traumatic stress, I've heard some horrible experiences people have gone through. How do you build them back up? Right. So I started figuring out um, that you can trust their subconscious mind is going to take you to the belief because at the end of the day, it's a belief that we have that is messing with us more than anything else. Our feelings, our behaviors are all being directed by our unconscious beliefs. And so as I went through trying to figure out all, where all the fears were coming from, the fear of rejection, the fear of failure, the fear of abandonment, the fear of humiliation, the fear of not being enough. And then I realized that's the one. I kept hearing it over and over. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. And because I'm not enough, I won't be loved. So how do I get love? How do I get attention? How do I get approval? And it's all happening unconsciously. And that's what sets up our dysfunctional communication. That's what sets up our dysfunctional behaviors. And so we have to make sure that we are uh, um, understanding that you're one, it's not one belief, it's your one belief away from any breakthrough you desire. You're just got a one way of reframing a situation, one way of looking at it differently, where you go from I can't to I can, where you go from I'm not worthy to I am worthy. Kathleen came to see me for weight loss. She said, Tim, she was about 300 pounds. She said, Tim, can you make me a happy fat person? And then she started crying. Mm. And I knew that's not what she wanted. And she said, I'm saying that because I've tried, uh, diets don't work for me. You know, I've tried everything, nothing. I've starved myself. I've tried pills. Nothing works for me. Even if I lose weight, I gain it all back. Nothing works for me. And I knew that that's not what she wanted. Well, I took her through my awakening experience and, and the four stages that uh, are along this journey. And it changed. She had the belief that I don't deserve to be happy. So, of course, she's never going to lose weight because she doesn't deserve to be happy. So no matter how hard she tries, it will never happen because she has a belief that I don't deserve to be happy. And so her mind will cause her to land in the same place that makes her unhappy. Not because that's accurate, but because it's what she believed. We upgraded that belief. It changed her life. She lost 155 pounds. You know, I just talked to her. She's been, she's had it off for a couple of years and she's going stronger than ever. She's thin. She looks beautiful. She loves her life. And uh, I think she's 68 years old now. You know, people say, oh, I'm too old. (laughs) Forget about it. Tempest was 91 years old and she lost 12 pounds. Her goal was 15 and she was over the moon. 91 years old. Wow. Yeah. So I put those strategies in this book, but I realized that there was still another area that I needed to go with. There was a little piece that I had not accomplished. And instead of just, you know, um, faking my way through or not writing about it, I always go to the place where I'm most uncomfortable because that's where your biggest breakthroughs are hidden. You know, your biggest breakthroughs are hidden in the places you don't want to go. So if I notice I'm resisting, I'm like, that's where I'm going, right? That's where I need to go. And then it always pays off in a big way. So I happen to know Dr. Joe Vitale from 20 years ago, going to the National Guild of Hypnotist Conventions. And, and that was before Joe was in the movie The Secret and really blew up and became a, a global authority on the law of attraction. So I happen to know Joe. So I called him up and I'm like, Joe, I need you to help me with this last part. 
this is what I'm doing. I told him what I was doing and what the vision was. And he says, I love it. I'm in. Right. Cause Joe's written like 80 books. Yes. <laughs> you know, he cranks out a couple books a month. He's just amazing. Right. And so, uh, so we wrote this book together and he closed that gap and it is a phenomenal experience. It's not even a book. It is a life changing experience. And so uh, it comes out in January because he says, I want to make 2021 the year of one belief away. And then we're going to take 10,000 people through the experience. And it's going to, that's how we change the world. Joe is incredible. He really is. But then yeah. so are you. You're incredible what oh, you're doing to help Bruce. the world. Tell us about your clinic in Indiana. Yeah. So, um, so my clinic, you know, I've, it's, it's been a private practice. I've had many offices over the years. I've uh, had a school and I was training hypnotists. I still get calls. Are you training anymore? But I'm not. I've, I'm took my resources into corporate America, America. And now from doing all my keynotes got canceled because of the global pandemic. So now I'm just switching to online classes and helping people around the world by taking them through these experiences. I will do mentoring for hypnotists who already have their certification that are looking for the edge. So, um, but I'm very selective about that because I have trained a lot of hypnotists over the years. So uh, I'm picky about who I'm going to accept. So, um, but we have, uh, you know, a, a practice now that's online. I've been helping people around the world through doing Zoom calls and telephone calls. And my whole practice, I have an office I've been paying for since March that I haven't been in. <laughs> and in February, my lease runs out and I'm not going to renew. No. I'm going to continue to do all my sessions over the line or over the phone. And people will say, well, I don't, I want to be in person. I don't know if it's going to work that, you know, for me. They don't know what they're talking about. They have no idea, no. you know, if it's going to work for them. So you have to step in as the authority and say, listen, I've been doing sessions. We have the exact same success rate and we don't have to worry about the weather. Right. You don't have to drive. You don't have to, you know, have a fight for a parking spot. You know, we'll get you the same exact results and we'll do it over the phone or we'll do Zoom. And so everybody that is, you know, being a great hypnotist is one aspect. You got to also be a great business owner. Yes. And I had to hire coaches for that because I had no idea how to run a business. And, uh, and so now I do because I've hired so many coaches over the years. Well, of course, isn't it true that fear is one of the things that stands in the way of becoming successfully hypnotized? Uh, yeah. And, and so I say that a good hypnotist. Oh, of course. And, <laughs> and I say that because if people are comfortable in their own home and that's where they are being hypnotized and you are communicating with them through Zoom or some other method, then it only makes sense that that could be even better than them coming to your clinic where they might be a little bit freaked out or feel a little uncomfortable or have some fear. Isn't that true? It is. Whenever there is... Uh, a pain or a struggle, there's an opportunity inside of it. And you have to ask yourself, what's the creative opportunity in this situation that's scaring me right now? Okay. And so you cannot get the rainbow without the rain. And I think that this global pandemic is one of the best opportunities that hypnotists have ever had for making a change in this planet. Okay. So it is an extraordinary opportunity for all hypnotists because now if you couldn't afford an office, you don't need one. No. If you didn't want to bring people into your home, you don't have to. You are no longer limited to 50 miles around where you live for people to come see you because now you have access to help people around the world. It is extraordinary. The technology that we have, 
we are able to make a huge difference without all the upfront cost, without all the additional risk. People can lay in their own bed. You know, for over the summer, kid, uh, my clients that had kids were sitting in their driveway, in the car, doing hypnosis sessions, getting amazing results, right? So the only uh, thing that will ever stop you is a belief. And that's why I say you're one belief away from whatever it is you want. Oh, I like that. And I, so many of the things that you've said already have really stuck in my mind. You cannot get the rainbow without the rain. And I loved what you said. Your biggest breakthroughs are found where you don't want to go. And so you have to just be listening all the time to yourself. Hey, what's that fear going on? Hey, maybe I better jump in, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's super exciting. Now, I never ask you who you originally learned hypnotism from. Where did you, what school did you go to? Dr. Gisela Zuskowski oh. was my first hypnosis trainer. And she was out of, um, oh, what's it called? Um, uh, it was Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. Which is a tiny little town in the on the east side of indiana and it was the first time i was ever away from home it was a seven day class seven days in a row and it blew my mind because i was into everything metaphysical so and so was she so we did my first seven days of training was just extraordinary we were doing the hypno and it was it was all medical doctors and me Oh, really? A kid working on my bachelor's degree in psychology, and she let me in. I talked her into letting me in. And I just felt like a fish out of water. I mean, it was my first time away from home, being in a, you know, I went from a small town four hours away to another small town, had a little, you know, hotel room by myself, and we would train all day and all night. And then I'd go home and read the chapters, you know, go to my hotel and then go back the next day. And we were talking about hypnosis. We were talking about, Bigfoot and UFOs. And <laughs> I worked, I did a session with a guy who said he had been abducted by aliens. I don't know if it was true or not, but he certainly believed it. And I had these stories and these experiences. We talked about past life regression. I was freaking out. I loved all of it. Right. Wow. And, and I was just like soaking it in. And then I went back the next year and did some more advanced training. And then I started studying on my own. And then I decided I, I wasn't making any money, so I went to the my first hypnosis convention, and that was mind-blowing because there was hypnotists from around the world. They started talking about how you can make money as a hypnotist, which I, you know, I had a lot of fears about money. In fact, if you want to find out if your mind is it was sabotaged like mine about money, uh, I've been partnering. My first 50 years on this planet, I did everything by myself. The next 50 years, I'm partnering with everybody, mm. all the best people on the planet. I just did a summit where I partnered with Brian Tracy, Les Brown, Dennis Waitley, Bob Proctor, you name it. I brought them together. I manifested that. Joe Vitale, you know, I manifested all these people who are now my friends, which is mind-blowing, right? Well, I did a program with Randy Gage, who is also a really uh, authority on prosperity, we did a program together and he created this test. It's called your PQ, your prosperity quotient. He says, we got an IQ, we got an EQ, we have a PQ. And he said, take the test, Tim. So I did, because I'm like, I got this, I'm prosperous, right? And, and, uh, and there were beliefs that I had still about money and scarcity that were ingrained in me, that we all have ingrained in us, unless you were born wealthy, and which I wasn't. We were, we're all born wealthy in our spirit, um, but not in our mindset. And so um, 
and he taught me uh, that, wow, that's not the case, that there is these issues. So if you want to take the test, you don't have to put your email in. There's no catches or anything. We're not selling anything. We have a, a cheap master class. It's $27 if you want to do it, but we're not even capturing your email. If you go to www.surviving2thriving, T-O, surviving2thriving.me forward slash P, like prosperity, Q, quotient www.surviving2thriving.me forward slash PQ. Take that test and you will be blown away by the answers that you get. I'm just going to repeat that because that's that's a bit of a, a mouthful. Surviving2thriving.me forward slash PQ. Yes. And remember the www. Right, of course. That'll get you there. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, and you don't even have to put in your email address. That's a real gift. That's awesome. That's fantastic. The world of marketing has changed and, you know, doing the lead magnets and trying to, you know, blackmail people into giving you their email. I mean, people aren't doing it anymore. They're expecting to, to, for you to give them your best value up front for free, mm -hmm. right? And prove yourself before they even give you an email or their name. And so, uh, which I think is awesome. It will separate those who really are experts from everybody who says they are, because you can say anything on the internet. And the world is full of experts now, mm -hmm. you know, that aren't experts yeah. teaching now how to make money. And then I find out, but they don't have any clients, right. right? So there's so much noise out there and it's really challenging to know who to trust, which is why I did the legend summit because I brought the icons of our industry. Everybody knows those people. And, and, and so, uh, that's, that's who you trust. And so people can trust you. They can trust you, Bruce, and your program because you're only interviewing quality people and you've done your homework for a long time. And, and so uh, these are the people that you can trust. So you got to be aware. And, uh, you know, some of the beliefs that I used to have that sabotaged me was, well, if I give away my best stuff, they're just going to rip me off or they're mm -hmm. going to steal my stuff. Or if I give you my best stuff, then, you know, what am I going to sell you? Mm -hmm. You know, and that all comes from scarcity and fear. Yeah. Give away your best stuff. Show your value. You'll ha always have more inside of you. And that's how people are going to experience you. Their first in, uh, impression is going to be high value from you. They're going to want to know you more. That's just how it would be that for you. If I say I'm going to give you my crappiest stuff first, and that's our first impression, there won't be a second impression. No, no it's like, see you later. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you a question about bullying because I always do. Have you ever been bullied and had a situation where mindfulness would have made a difference to how you dealt with it? Do you have a story for us, Tim? Oh my goodness, how many? <laughs> uh, yes. So if you're, you know, so a couple of things, a couple of things about that. Yes, I was bullied a lot. And it was, uh, so two thoughts on that, okay? Because I was bullied all through school, all the way up until my senior year where I actually had a fight at a dance with the bully that had been torturing me for three years. And I actually won that fight and still felt bad about it because I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm a, a, a person of love that wants to give and share love. I, I, I don't like the violence, right? No, I don't mind I don't watching either. John Wick on a movie, but I don't, I don't like the violence. It hurts me because I can feel it. I'm very empathic. So I feel it. If someone trips, I feel what they're feeling. And so, so for me fighting, whether I win or lose, I lost either way. Mm. It, it helped me to realize I had to stand up for myself. The only reason I won that, that fight was, and it's not even winning. 
I just, you know, got through it was um, because I decided I had to do something to feel more confident. So I started taking karate. And it was interesting because as soon as I started taking karate and earning my belts, I never got in a fight again. Mm. And I was always getting picked on. But as soon as I got my karate and I could actually take care of myself, I didn't get bullied anymore. Isn't that interesting? And I'm so guessing you had a lot of, you, you came across differently. You walked with confidence in a different way. Do you think that may have been true? Yes, you are absolutely right. I walked differently. You know, I had a different attitude about it. My energy shifted. I wasn't sending out fear and don't hurt me. I was sending out, I'll hold my own. You know, I wasn't walking around going, oh, I'll take you out. No. Um, however, something shifted inside because I knew what to do. I had some strategies. I knew what to do. If someone came at me, I knew what to do because I was just practicing katas. I knew moves. I knew something. And so I knew what to do. We get so scared because we don't know what to do. Yes. We feel unprepared. We feel stuck. That's the worst feeling ever for people like you and me and your listeners and viewers is feeling stuck. Yes. Right. So when we feel like we have momentum and we feel like we know what to do next, what our next move is, we can buy into that. We can get behind it and it shifts your energy. And so but I could have, if I knew what I knew then, or if I know now what I knew then. So I have a 16 year old son mm -hmm. and a 13 year old son, mm -hmm. joys of my life. Yeah. And my 16 year old over the summer, I had him read, how to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And he said it changed his life. He said it was the best book he ever read and it taught him people skills and it taught him how to communicate differently with his friends at school. And he said, this stuff works. He would come home from school and he's like, I can't believe it. This stuff is amazing. It actually works. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> right? And so, uh, and it teaches you how to change situations. So if someone's bullying you, it's because they're hurting, mm -hmm. right? So instead you compliment them. I ain't fighting you. You know how tough you are. There is no way I'm fighting you. You're one of the toughest kids in the school. I'd, if I got into a trouble with somebody out here, I'd be begging you. I'd be trying to pay you to, to, you know, to protect me because there's no way I want, you know, and what you're doing is you're complimenting them yes. and empowering them. And it's hard to, to attack somebody that's doing that to you because they're expecting you to fight or run away. And when you come, that's why in the Bible, when someone slapped Jesus and Jesus gave the other cheek, yeah, he wasn't scared. He was like, if you, this is what we need to do, take the other one. And the guy was like, what? Mm -hmm. I got into a fight in a bar parking lot when I was in my early 20s because um, a friend of mine said something negative to somebody's girlfriend and I didn't know it. So my buddy and I are walking to the car like one in the morning on a cold, snowy January night and four guys follow us out and surround us. And my friend's like, oh, let's do this. Well, I didn't like that. You know, I don't no. like to fight. I would have defended myself, but I was nervous about it. I didn't want to do it. And so my people skills kicked in. So this guy was coming at me and he's like, let's go. And he throws his coat off because that's what people males do when they're young. They throw their coat off or they would take their shirt off yeah. <laughs> back in the day. Right. And yeah. like, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, let's go but put your coat on first because you're going to freeze out here. You're going to get sick. So you want to go, let's go, but put your coat on first. And he looked at me. He's like, what? And I said, it's freezing. You want to fight? Let's go, but put your coat on first. And he's like, and he just was so confused that he looked at my buddy and he went after him and he's like, let's go. <laughs> you threw him off entirely. I totally threw him off and everybody else just stood there. And then we got in our car and left. 
the fight uh, didn't happen. And your buddy was okay too. Yeah, he was okay too. His rear view mirror wasn't because the uh, guy punched the mirror and probably broke his hand because that's karma. Uh -huh. Because when you have that energy out, it comes back to you. So my buddy had a broken mirror and the guy that came out had a broken hand. I was okay. Wow. What a story. <laughs> wow, Tim. Wow. I just feel like uh, you and I are like connected. You know, oh, just yeah. just this, you know, it's been so great talking to you. And, uh, you, you know, you one of the things my wife said to me when I told her I was going to uh, study to be a hypnotist, she said, well, OK, what are you going to do about the fact that you're an empath? How are you going to deal with that? Like, because she's a critical care nurse. She knows she's what it's smart. like. She knows she's and she's smart and she knows mm -hmm. what it's like to to deal with a situation that can just torment you, you, you know. And yes. what would your answer be to that, Tim? My answer is you have to focus on how you're going to heal them. And uh, uh, let me reframe that. How you're going to guide them as they heal themselves. Yeah. Okay. You're going to hear trauma and it'll give you some nightmares sometimes, the stuff you hear. It'll make you sick to your stomach. But then you remind yourself what a blessing it is that you know how to help them. Yes. That they don't have to keep going through that because people take a snippet of the trauma and replay it over and over and over and over and over in their mind. And then it keeps tripping that cortisol and that adrenaline and it makes them sick to their stomach. You know, I have a friend, um, Barry Shore, who creates acronyms out of everything. And he said stressed is, um, oh, where is it? It's um, serious trauma. Oh, I can't remember what it is now. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to find it and email it to you. But, but, um, yeah. Serious it trauma stomach, is probably oh, the was, first two. Yeah. Stomach turning. Um, oh, I don't want to waste our time on it. But anyway, it was all about, you know, stomach turning situations that stomach turning. Uh, okay. Never mind. I'm not. <laughs> and then E. And then S. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Okay, I'm going to let that go. Yeah. And I'm going to send you the definition of stress. And, yeah, and I'll put, put it in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Because you know exactly I'm going to go find it. It's in a pile of paper. If your desk is like mine, I have piles of paper everywhere and it's in there somewhere. So, but anyway, it's stomach turning events that cause uh, self sabotage, you know. And what we want to do is, is we want to turn that around to stomach, uh, you know, wrenching events that create self love you know, that turned to self-love. Uh, I always tell people that, um, you know, I grew up around a lot of farmers in the Midwest and mm -hmm. in the United States and farmers will tell you that crops grow better in manure. Yes. Right? So I have learned Bruce how to take the crap from my past and use it to grow my future. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's very visual. And I grew up on a farm, so it's particularly <laughs> visual for me. Yeah. You can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I certainly <laughs> so, can. Kind of a crappy metaphor, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> very funny. I'm trying to make up for that stress acronym disaster. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Uh, but, but, but yeah, so to answer your question, um, you do develop some boundaries. And then when you get really good, you don't have to hear. See, part of my awakening experience is they don't have to tell you the story. They don't have to tell you the nightmare. They don't have to relive it. One of the problems with cognitive behavioral therapy and uh, exposure therapy uh, which are very popular in psychology. One of the problems is that people have to relive the experiences over and over and over, hoping that they're going to finally release the emotion. But often it just re-traumatizes people. They might get tired or emotionally worn out, but they often can get re-traumatized. 
there are so many more effective ways that are gentle, loving, and and caring. I've helped so many people to overcome being molested, being raped, being tortured, and they never told me what happened. Mm, really? I did not ever have to hear it because I worked in hospitals, inpatient, outpatient. I worked with kids who were kicked out of school while I was going to school. I was worked with gang members. I heard, I've heard enough horror stories. I work with veterans, prisoners of war. Uh, I've heard enough war stories that I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> right? And it's interesting I sat there and that cried you say with that. my clients. Yeah, for years. Now I don't have to know and I can still shift the pattern because yeah. I know what they're doing. I know what the pattern is because I see patterns as easy as, as anything because of the experience I have. And so, and you will too, with enough experience and the right training, yeah. you don't have to hear the story. They don't have to tell you and be embarrassed or humiliate, humiliated. And you can still create the outcome that both of you desire. And that's cool that you said that because my hypnosis teacher, Erica Flint, yesterday, she's, that's what she said. She said, if someone starts into their story, I'll just say, stop, we're going to create a new story. She said, I don't need to hear that story. So it's exactly what you're saying. So thanks for reiterating that. Well done, Erica Flint. Good job. This is a perfect time for me to interject this interview and talk about Erica Flint. I just finished the hypnosis training. It's a two-week training from the Cascade Hypnosis Center, Erica Flint's organization. And wow, what an incredible experience. It was top-notch, world-class training. We had so much experience hypnotizing each other and learning how to hypnotize and how to help people with their mindsets. And if you're a coach or if you love helping people, maybe you're a healer, maybe you work in, in a field where you help people already, well, if you become trained to be a hypnotist, I think you will never look back. You'll just be so thrilled with the experience. It is truly rewarding to learn how to do this. And you know, you can help people lose weight, quit smoking, help people with anxiety help people move forward in their lives to the point that they will be so grateful for what you've done to help them. So I encourage you to check out the Cascade Hypnosis Center. That's the website, cascadehypnosiscenter.com. And just inquire about having a free consultation to talk about getting involved in the training. So I really endorse this and, and want to thank Erica for being a sponsor of the show as well. And they did such a great job of the training. And now back to the episode with Tim. As we move forward in the interview, uh, Tim, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one mindfulness person that has influenced you and your life in the area of mindfulness? Mm. Well, currently, right now, uh, Dennis Waitley, Dr. Dennis Waitley. Um, we've become friends through over this last year, and he's 87 years old. He's one of the kings of the personal development movement. Earl Nightingale liked him personally, and his Psychology of Winning program became one of the best-selling audio coaching programs of all time for personal development. And we've been having so many talks, and he's been helping me understand where we're going in life, how to determine... Uh, a trend from a fad, you know, that's why. So when I'm talking about where we're headed in the future, it's from, from Dennis and, uh, and, and not get caught up in the fads like funnel hacking and, you know, a lot of the other fads that are out there, um, because it's just a fad and right. people are going to come back to being brilliant in the basics of business. And so he's been helping me and mentoring me, uh, Patricia Fripp 
has been mentoring me with my words and language. You know, she's the queen of presentation skills. So um, Ford Sakes has been a wonderful mentor for me. He has um, he managed Les Brown for many years, and then he is the guy that has built the um, uh, the websites and some of the marketing materials for some of the biggest names in the speaking business. So these are three people who have are impacting me right now. Oh, thanks for sharing that. And how has mindfulness affected your emotions, Tim? Uh, it's everything. It's everything. Without mindfulness, you end up in stress and anxiety. With mindfulness, you find inner pieces. And I call it inner pieces because you get pieces of it, and then you go through the other human emotions, and then you find your way back to peace. But you're not in inner peace all the time because you need all the other emotions to channel you, to challenge you, to um, to help you grow, to help you remember what not to do. You know, right? So anger, worry, fear, stress, shame, guilt are all useful emotions if you use them to your advantage. Uh, you have so much wisdom. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. We haven't talked much about breathing. Breathing through your nose down to your belly and slowly exhaling is the first step to everything, right? So you are teaching mindfulness. You are exactly the person you're supposed to be, Bruce. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing because the world needs you, your podcast, and your message now more than ever before in history. So we always stop, pause, and breathe. You know, I live in Indiana. We have uh, the Indianapolis 500 high-performance machines. The people that listen to your podcast are high-performance human beings. But if you do not take a pit stop, you do not finish the race. And so uh, your pit stop always begins with your breath. Control your breathing and you control your life. <laughs> wow. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, and uh, I'm just wondering what it is. And of course, your book, One Belief Away, which releases in January, I'm so excited about. Are there any other books, Tim, that you would uh, mention? Have you written a book, Bruce? Well, I wrote a book with Brian Tracy. It was a compilation. So uh, Cracking the Success Code is the book that, that uh, we came up with. And it was, like I said, a compilation. So there were other people involved. That is a book I would start with then. And I would read the chapter that you wrote because you are providing this wisdom and this insight. There's a million books out there. But I can tell from connecting with you and talking with you that you are right on the pulse of what people need. So I would start with that book and read that chapter from you and then just meditate on that feeling of peace. And whatever book shows up in your life next is the next book for you in your journey. Because I could tell you a book that I read that I really enjoy, but that's because of where I'm at in my journey. So you need to be mindful of the miracles that show up in your life. So I would start with your book. I would definitely uh, grab mine in January. If you want to get on the launch party with uh, Joe and myself, then you can go. Here's another URL. It's www.onebeliefawaybook.com. Onebeliefawaybook.com. And uh, get on our list, and then I'll let you know when we have our launch party. And uh, that'll be fun, too. That sounds exciting. And one last question. Can you share an app that can help with mindfulness in any way? Yes, it's Dennis Waitley's Inner Winner app. Ah. Um, I had the privilege of um, doing the tutorial for it. He asked me if I would do a tutorial on how to use it. It's an extraordinary app. It's Inner Winner, and it has affirmations in Dennis's voice. Uh, his daughter, Deborah Waitley, uh, Dr. Deborah Waitley, she's extraordinary as well. And so you can listen to affirmations and recorded programs that Dennis has made for you. 
Um, he created all this beautiful music as well. And there's affirmations if you want to hear it in Deborah's voice. She has a beautiful voice. And then the app is cool because it also has the affirmations and you can record your own voice to the music. It has reminders. So every morning I wake up, I listen to Dennis, I listen to Deborah, or I listen to my own affirmations because the voice you always believe the most is your own. Well, I'm going to download that app. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Inner Winner app. Yes. Yeah, thanks for that. Well, thanks for this whole interview. It has been really fantastic to connect with you and learn from you. And especially since I'm studying to be a hypnotist myself and and we'll be graduating in a few days at the end of the week. Oh. It's a two week course. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Very you much. get the fundamentals and then you start practicing on anybody who will let you and read those scripts. And then pretty soon over time, you start to understand that the person in front of you is the script. Right? In the beginning, you've got to read scripts, but then afterwards, you realize that, that what you say to them comes from the questions that you ask them before you hypnotize them. What are you trying to get away from? What are you wanting to have more of? Focus on helping people get clarity on what they want, because so many people are focused on what they don't want, what they don't like, and what's missing, that that's what they focus on, and that's why they keep getting that, because that's what their attention is on. So when you help them focus on, well, what do you want? Uh, then all of a sudden, half the breakthrough is there because they finally got clarity on what they do want, how they do want to feel, why they want that. You write down the words they're using, the, the phrases that they're saying, and then you feed those exact words and phrases back to them in that relaxed state of mind. And they come out of it and they're like, this is incredible. It's exactly what I wanted. It's like you read my mind. And it was because of how you interviewed them in the beginning. It's all about listening, isn't it? The best influencers are not the best speakers. They're the best listeners. Yeah. Well, I've been listening to guests for over 600 episodes. So I, oh my gosh, I feel like incredible. I'm improving my listening skills. I love doing it and I'm getting better, Amazing. I think. <laughs> that is really impressive. Congratulations. And thank Thanks. you so much for, for all of us, our listeners, because that is such a tremendous gift. Because that I know from having my podcast, I got a podcast called How to Be Mesmerizing. Yes. And I've been doing it for about a year and a half and I know how much work it is. So 600 episodes, is extraordinary. So well done, Bruce. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for being on the show. And I just wish you all the best. And I hope to reconnect with you again soon. Oh, anytime you have a question about hypnosis, you just hit me up. I'm, I'm happy to help. Thanks a lot, Tim. Have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Bye, Bruce. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember our sponsor, the Cascade Hypnosis Center at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. Erica Flint and her team can help you to become a hypnotist. They can help you with your mindset. They can help you with challenges. And I've just graduated from Erica's course and I am now a qualified hypnotist. So I would love to have you, as I mentioned at the top of the show, as one of my my clients i have room for two coaching clients so send me an email bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and we'll connect and we'll talk about how we can get started working together and i can help you with some of the challenges in your life so thanks so much for listening to the show today it's been an honor having you with us take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode